Welcome to Reframe the Podcast, helping you reframe your thought patterns, habits and mindsets to create the life that you want to lead. In today's episode, I am chatting with Carly Lightburn, who is a weight and size inclusive personal trainer and founder of A Body to Live For, an inclusive community celebrating what our bodies can do. Carly shares openly about her recovery from disordered eating and how her relationship with exercise changed over time and led her to adopt a health-centric approach to her work. We also chat about how health every size and intuitive eating and the non-diet approach are often misinterpreted within the fitness industry. And we talk about the importance of recognising and being open about our privilege as straight-sized practitioners in this space. Today's chat is honest, funny, and very real. It was an honor to share this space with Carly. Hi, Carly, and welcome to Reframe the Podcast on this incredibly hot, melting day. So I am particularly grateful for you making time for me when you could be outside doing anything else other than this. So yeah, I'm very, very grateful for your time today. Um, I wondered whether or not you could start by just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit more about who you are and what it is that you do. Of course. Um, thank you for having me. Um, so I'm Carly, as you said, and I'm a personal trainer here in Truro. So um, uh, in Cornwall, I should say. So I've got my studio here. I'm in the, the studio now and it's very warm. Um, and I'm a health first personal trainer. So I think it's a little bit of a different thing in the fitness industry at the minute. Um, but more of us are starting to talk about it. Um, and the way I train is just a little bit different. So it's um, it's all about putting um, health for weight loss and the conventional side of personal training. Fantastic. It sounds right up my street, Carly. <laughs> As a non-diet professional, I'm I'm the same. It's all about being health-centric and not yes. weight-centric. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about how you came to that then? Have you always been in the fitness industry? What, what was your own journey to, to come to where you are now? So I've been in the fitness industry for about five years now. Um, and no, I didn't start off like this. So I'd had my own challenges with um, my relationship with food and my body. And it meant that, well, it gave me the passion to become a PT. I wanted, you know, it got me into fitness. I wanted to do it. Um, but I think I tried to go to it with a more gentler approach. So I tried to do, you know, I still did body transformations. I still did weight loss. And I still weighed my clients, all that kind of thing when I initially started. But I tried to go about it a little bit more gently. Um, and said, you know, well, you don't need to count calories and that kind of thing. But looking back, I realised that that it doesn't work. You either kind of have to go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was quite a, it was quite a long, slow progression to get to where I am now. So I've been working this way for about two years, um, and I realised that just I think it was just seeing that I had, you know, my clients were were unhappy and they were lacking in confidence and. I was seeing that they were making such great progress in things like the strength and mobility and fitness. And they were so focused on what the bodies look like and the fact that they'd not, you know, they'd maybe gained a pound or something. So yeah, I started to read more about the body positivity movement and about health at every size. And I just realized that it was the route that I wanted to go down. And I've never looked back. It's been, it's been a good change, definitely. And I'm so pleased to have more voices you know, as you said, there's kind of like a, a movement, a swelling, isn't there, within the industry yeah. towards this um, more so. But I think the key word you said there was you recognised that your clients were unhappy. 
Yeah, so, you know, not, you know, not really miserable, but they, were, they weren't seeing the progress. They were still unhappy in the bodies. They, I just felt like there was something missing. Um, and, you know, because I was a mobile PT at the time, so I noticed that on, I'd turn up to the house and I'd bring, like, my little scales and my tape measure once every six weeks or so to do, like, a weigh-in with them. And, you know, I could see they were nervous and they were anxious about it. And if they didn't, if they hadn't lost weight, they were kind of making excuses, you know, making excuses. And they didn't need to do that. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of thought, yeah, why am I putting this pressure on them? You know, it's just, it's, it's not good for them. It's not good for the health to have that. Um, and I think when I look back, I only really did it because it was the norm. It's the way that you taught in PT school that goals are very much aesthetics based and I don't think I ever really considered that there was another option that there was another way to work Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah and as you said I think when you describe your clients you know you turn up there for the for the check-in the weigh-in and that that fear that apprehension because we're taught by diet culture aren't we that well actually it's all your responsibility it's just down to willpower yeah absolutely didn't work out hard enough or you you know you just didn't get the calories in calories out right or are you tracking you know all of this language makes you feel like actually and it will go thinking about all the other things absolutely Um, yeah our our genetics our relationship with food our lifestyle stimulus you know the environments we find ourselves in if you're working shifts you know all these things before and I think because I came from such a privileged position and you know I'm in a small body naturally slim and I just never even considered that and never even considered that people you know if we did all eat all eat the same sorry and exercise the same we would all look completely different and I think that I had that outlook that oh well if I can do it if I can maintain you know a moderately lean body then why can't everyone else um but yeah I've seen the light <laughs> it's, exactly. it's different now. It's the same in nutrition and dietetics though you know I think the emphasis historically has been the same you know when I trained it was well you calculate BMI and you do waist yeah. and you um and, and you weigh and there was no emphasis on the other elements of progress as you mentioned yeah you know, strength sleep gets better they're managing the stress better because they've got a means of getting it out when they're working out you know they feel stronger you know all of these benefits are just no unless it's on the and we also know that scales are a bit of nonsense aren't they half the time yeah absolutely changes it's just i mean jimmy always says that to me he's like you know you don't worry about the scales that's a poo it could be the day it's so true it can literally change in an hour what you weigh and when I was obsessing with over food I remember I was weighing myself like oh god like four or five times a day you know watching it fluctuate and driving myself mad about it um and it yeah it just doesn't make any sense but like you say it's it's what diet culture has us believe doesn't it that your weight is attached to your worth and it definitely shouldn't be that way but I think you also acknowledge something that it's really important you know, you and I are both straight-sized people. And yeah. Sometimes I'm I'm really aware of it. I'm aware with it with clients. But sometimes working in the non-diet space or the intuitive eating yeah. space, I think, is it easy for me to say? Yeah, definitely. And I always say that to clients as well. I say I recognise, you know, when it's um, clients in larger bodies, I say I recognise that it's a lot 
you know, it's very easy for me to sit here and say, just, you know, you need to kind of accept the body that you're in, the size that you are, because I can walk into any shop and get whatever, you know, clothes will fit me. Um, People don't look at me that I'm, you know, assume that I'm unhealthy and don't have any um, trouble at doctor's appointments, that kind of thing. Um, I actually went to the hospital the other day because I'd injured my foot and I had to have an x-ray. And the lady said to me, um, she, was, she was a lovely lady, and I mean, it always comes, it usually comes from a well-meaning place, but she said, oh, you know, because I was in my shorts and T-shirt, you look like you're healthy, you know, you look like you're active. And I thought, do I? <laughs> you know, why are, we, why are we judging people just because I'm in a smaller body? She assumed that I was, you know, some fitness fanatic, which I'm definitely not, you know, even though I'm a PT. But I thought it does, it just goes to show how, you know, you just you judged immediately as soon as you walk into to your room to a room on your health status, and it's so rooted in thin equals health. And yeah, you know, I had um, shared some of my own background. I had anorexia. I had bulimia that evolved into anorexia through my mid yeah. into my early twenties. I'm in my forties now. Yeah. Um, but there was a period where I, you know I lost weight. I was uh, before I began looking really ill. I yeah. was thin. And I was complimented on it, but no one knew yeah. actually I was abusing laxatives at the time. Yeah. You know, it's, just, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I find it, you know, even myself, I have to stop myself sometimes from making comments on people's, I, I think I'm better at making comments on people's bodies now, but on their appearance, you know, yeah. I try and stop myself when someone walks into a room and saying, oh, you look amazing, you know, because it just instantly draws the attention to what they look like and I think we're just so used to doing that aren't we that that it's a you know giving people compliments based on the look and of course it is nice sometimes but weight weight shouldn't be at the focus of that no no it shouldn't but it's it's so difficult it's such a saturated I sometimes use the term I, I say to people I feel like we're gathering whispers against a storm yeah. I feel so saturated so as I mentioned to you before we started recording I've got three kids and I've got yeah. um, my middle daughter's almost 13 and yeah. an almost 11 year old I you know I try we never meant to talk about bodies we don't talk about weight we talk I try yeah. and talk very neutrally about things about food try and do everything that I can yeah still still my 13 year old said to me earlier so if you had to rate me out of 10 what would you rate me oh my literally in those moments I go oh my god where is that coming from it's yeah. something that she's seeing on social media yeah oh, it, it was, that it is was the cool. least interesting thing about you squid sorry she'd kill me yeah. for saying she's called squid on here. oh my god it's a really good thing i'm so uncool and she'll never listen to this <laughs> <laughs> as a parent i feel sometimes i feel at a loss sometimes because i think you can do everything you can in the home and i just pray to god that by osmosis it's going in yeah still it must be so so hard it's everywhere you know it is it's everywhere and you can't put them in a bubble you know I want to be like don't let them alone I watched that awful that Netflix um social media film I can't remember what it was called now and I went after that just my husband and I looking at each other going oh my god this is awful (laughs) no more phones but that's yeah it's modern life isn't it and you you mentioned that you know you had a bit of a journey yourself with your relationship with your body and, and um, food and exercise how did that how has that shifted how would you describe it then and now and what had to happen for you oh so it's totally different now 
Um, so yeah, like yourself, I was in um, quite a bad place and um, had some professional help. And I think even when I thought that I'd recovered, so when I was probably say when I was about 25, I think, you know, because it was kind of all came to my head when I was about 21. Um, you know, when I was about 25, a few years later, and um, I just, I think I thought that I was so much better, but I wasn't. And when I look back now, um, that obsession with food and exercise, I suppose it just shifted another way into more fitness industry, so where it was a more acceptable obsession um, and where it was more complimented. So I had to kind of you know, work through that and realise that that still wasn't healthy. And then I'm at a point now where I definitely still do, especially through the pandemic, um, I've definitely found it a lot harder with my body. I felt like I'd got to a really good place where I had a great relationship with food, with my body. And I feel like it's maybe just slipped down a tiny bit over the past year. I think just more time on social media, yeah. more time to sit around and think about things where I'm not working my mind so busy. And I, you know, I've gained some weight like I think most people have over lockdown. And I think I've definitely found it harder this past year. Um, but yeah, I, it's the difference now is that I don't act on it. So back then, if I had those kind of thoughts about my body and I disliked what I saw and I found my clothes weren't fitting, I would have thought, right, this is unacceptable. You know, I've lost control. I need to get that control back. And I would have restricted. But now, I, you know, I have those thoughts for a few minutes, probably every day. And then I think, forget it. Think how far you've come. Think of everything that you've gained and what I'd have to give up to get, you know, back to wherever I think that I sometimes should be. Um, so, yeah, it's a huge difference now. I can definitely, you know, it's the not acting on it, I think, that is the change. Yeah, and that's amazing to hear. That's wonderful um, to hear. And it's really good to hear that you're feeling better yeah. as well. And I think it's bringing, as you say, it's that awareness piece, isn't it? It's separating yourself from that little voice that, is the voice that you know it could be the inner critic or you know in the world of eating disorders it's called the ed voice that goes yeah oh, you should oh yeah should. that little voice yeah. and when you can bring awareness to it and go actually i notice it but i'm not going to act on it that's a really wise it's a beautiful way of encapsulating it is i don't act on it because i think with a lot of eating disorders i don't know about yourself but it was always about control mm. um so i think this year when everything's felt so out of control it's tempting to go back to those old ways to try and get a bit of control back. So, um, yeah, I think it's just recognising as well that I don't always have control and that being a certain way doesn't give me control, you know. Absolutely. And the other really valuable thing you said then was when you mentioned, I think, about what it cost. Yes. And that is so true. It's actually, what is the cost of making, having that singular goal of looking or weighing a particular thing and actually the cost is huge oh um, have it back I don't know about yourself but when, you know exactly when you have that freedom back that when that anxiety is no longer there and you can you just eat the ice cream and you haven't even thought about it mm. I don't ever want to give that up no you're so you're so right and I, I catch myself sometimes and think you know this is amazing it'll never get old to me to be yeah, able to no. walk into the yeah. shop and just pick up something like a chocolate bar or something and not have to look at the calorie content or 
it's just that'll never that I just don't think that that will ever wear off because after spending so long, you know, in hours in shops checking every little ingredient and calorie, and it's yeah, it's a great feeling that I could never give up again. It would never be worth it. And that, so that really resonates with me because even 20 years down the line, I still have those moments where I catch myself and I go, oh my god, I don't have to think it doesn't, it's not part of my life anymore. Yeah. And that's so, yeah. that's so amazing. And I still kind yeah. of have that moment of, wow, I did it. Because when I was in yeah. it, I never thought I'd ever get out of it. No, no. And I just assumed that this was what everyone else was like. Yeah. I knew that I was extreme, but I thought, I never imagined that people just ate for pleasure and, you know, went out for dinner and didn't binge. And, you know, I just just thought that what I was doing was maybe a bit extreme, but surely everyone, everyone that's, you know, healthy has to be having some kind of restriction. But yeah, it's not the case, thank God. <laughs> Amazing, and I hope anyone who's listening to this who is having their own struggle, you know, yeah. this and can hear us say that you know it recovery is a hundred percent worth it. It is so oh my God. and it's so possible as well. It's so possible. The other interesting thing you mentioned there, I think, is you said you kind of segued, and I think sometimes it's quite common in eating disorders that we can segue our way out of the eating disorder into like a layer of recovery, right? So I always think yeah. about disorders having layers of recovery. Yeah, that initial layer can sometimes look like for people, they go into what we term socially acceptable ways of restricting. Yeah. So it might be, you know, veganism or, you know, whatever it might be. And that's, you know, if you're a vegan for ethical reasons, that's absolutely wonderful. But for some, it's a way of transitioning out, isn't it? Or in eating, or as you say, the fitness industry. Yeah. It is so socially acceptable to be. Yeah restrictive isn't it and how have you come up against so you know how's it been you know changing that the way you work in an industry that up to relatively recently still was so obsessed with aesthetic yeah it's not easy it's um and definitely when I first started it was about two years ago I started working this way and it was when I first moved to Cornwall and you know, I didn't know anybody. I was trying to grow a new business. And I found that if you're in that PT um, circle, you know, and you, you're, adver- you're not advertising weight loss, people weren't interested. And I found it really hard to, to build my business, especially from kind of, you know, from scratch again here by not offering transformations and that kind of thing. And, you know, I was turning people away when people were saying, um, can I have some, uh, you know, a, a diet plan or that kind of thing? And I was saying, I'm really sorry, but that's not something that I, I offer. And I definitely did second guess myself a few times. But yeah, I think from other PTs as well, I think it's just being more open-minded and appreciating that, you know, ideally there wouldn't be a market for that. Really, I'd like it if everybody just um, worked my way, I suppose. But I understand that we're not all the same and everyone has different goals. But I think it's, I found that a lot of PTs, perhaps, and others in the fitness industry weren't very open-minded and it was just one way or another. And I remember there was, oh, there's somebody, I won't say his name, but there's somebody on Instagram who brought out a book um, and he's, you'll, you'll definitely know who he is. <laughs> I already know who it is. I'll let it out. Is it just- <laughs> So I followed him for ages and I thought, oh my God, I thought he was brilliant. I thought what he was doing was great. And then I 
suddenly started, like it dawned on me and I was like, oh, wow, he's, you know, he's really fat phobic, you know, says very, he was talking about sleeping with his clients and things like that. And I was thinking, oh God, you know, and I, and I commented on one of his posts one day, said, I think he'd made, you know, a really sort of fat phobic comment. And I commented and the backlash I got, I just said something like, I've followed you for ages, really respected you. Um, I don't agree with this that you said, and this is why. Um, oh my God, yeah, the backlash I got from that was crazy. So many people um, that were his followers commenting and saying that I sh- it's crazy that I'm, I'm qualified as a PT, I shouldn't be allowed to work with people, all that kind of thing. And then he did a post the next day about, because I think he'd had a bit of backlash on it, saying about people that didn't agree with him, that are snowflakes, you know. Um, so I think definitely that, drives a bit more of a hatred for people working this way as well um, and it it gives off that belief that we are just encouraging people to be unhealthy it's such a massive misinterpretation and there, there are two things there one this particular influencer <laughs> has mm-hmm. masses of privilege he comes with a shed load of privilege that yeah. allows him to maintain his aesthetic and, and make money out of it the second thing is they they're that kind of echo chamber over there yeah. that say it's this way and all the highway actually in, in my experience are really ill-informed yeah they, they just say well intuitive eating is what you tell everyone that they don't have to work out if they don't feel like it and they can eat all the cake yeah and they just simplify it so yeah and yeah. they simplify the health at move, health at every size movement to literally that it's no we're no. not anti-health we're not no. we are pro health um promoting behaviors we're pro improving your health we just don't make chasing a number on the scales the the yeah. goal and we look at other yeah. biomarkers we look at and there's new studies out now i was listening to um the food medics podcast listening to an yeah. old episode and she's got Alan, oh, I can't remember his name. He's a super, super nutrition science geek. I mean, he his brain is so big. I listen to some of his stuff and I think, I just, I'm lost, I've gone. <laughs> He's so brilliant. <laughs> but he was saying in this latest, one of these latest episodes that some of the data, the studies that are coming out showing the physiological, the metabolic and the psychological benefits of intuitive eating is really compelling. And he is a man that's done his due diligence. He knows. Yeah. And I think there will be more and more sort of investigating into that area, hopefully, that will back up, uh, yeah. you know, as, as the movement gets bigger, and um, it will back up what, what we're saying. Because it, it is frustrating sometimes. There was definitely times where I think, oh, you know, I want out of the fitness industry. It just gets a bit frustrating, I think, yeah. so especially with social media, because you're looking at, you can think that, it's making so much progress and that we're starting to understand that diet culture is no good for us. And then, you know, you see one post or one comment and you just think, oh my God, you know, it's going nowhere. So yeah, it's very frustrating. But I think I just try and stay in my lane, switch off that outside noise. And I think that my clients and I'm sure yourself, the people that you work with, they're all the evidence that I need, that the way I work is successful and that it's beneficial um, because they're happy and they, you know, they feel confident and they've got self-esteem improved. And, and I just think that's all that matters. It doesn't matter if there's 
some dickhead on Instagram that's been squished promoting obesity, you know. Yeah, we just have to keep gathering these whispers, Carly. That's what we that's what we, we do, we do, you're so right. So, you know, now what would you say is the most important thing to bear in mind when it comes to having a healthy relationship with food and exercise? Ooh, I think um, to not compare yourself to others. So what's healthy for somebody else might not necessarily be healthy for you. And so I know that some people, you know, you have a great relationship with food and the body and they still go to the gym five, six days a week or whatever. And they really love it. And I think that's not me. You know, that, that isn't healthy for me. But for some people it might be. And so I just try not to compare myself, I think. And I'll, I would recommend other people to do the same. So just, um, yeah, again, just kind of switch off the outside noise and do what feels right for you. I feel like that's a really short answer, isn't it? No, but it's, very, it's incredibly true. It is, I think, comparison is deadly. Um, yeah. very dramatic, but, but, it, but it is, because the minute we compare, and I was reading, I talked about this in another podcast recently, I read a book called Beauty Sick, and she explains how it's all about body image and how women have, why we have poor body image, like the history behind it, how it has happened, yeah. how it has been, you know, exasperated by media. Um, yeah. She says in it um, that beauty, I don't know if it's Latin or Greek, but the, the, the meaning of the word beauty is actually rare because we didn't <sighs> see. Yeah, so what we But the problem is now that we're giving these highly, these highly often air, you know, airbrushed, photoshopped, styled, yeah. made up, a lot of plastic surgery, a lot of fillers, yeah. all of that stuff's happening. So we get this image, this perfected image. Yeah. And, but we're saturated with it. So yeah. I, my 13 year old goes on TikTok or whatever, and she'll swipe, 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 swipe. And out of maybe, you know, 50 images, how many of those has she been presented with what is actually yeah. rare? But because she's seeing it so frequently, she thinks yeah. it's normal. Absolutely, absolutely. And, the filters and all that kind of thing as well you know you see these posts which I think are great where people show what their actual skin looks like close up because all we're used to seeing is these you know no pores no uh, blemishes or scars and it's you know when I catch myself thinking sometimes oh god you know and I think well, it's not real what I'm looking at but it's just so hard and I think god if we're with you know well the journey we've been through kind of second guessing ourselves sometimes yeah. and how must these poor younger people nowadays feel yeah. I've just I'm so glad I don't have to grow up in that social media world I think social media can be wonderful like there is amazing stuff happening on it and there are amazing people doing amazing oh, yeah and I sat with instant hate I've spoken about her loads on this podcast um but I sat with her recently and we, we looked at um Instagram yeah, encouraged her to follow um, different accounts that oh, were um, body acceptance accounts or body neutrality accounts. And when we started changing her feed, and she began to see far more normal bodies. Yeah. And I challenged her the other day. I said to her, when we were out, um, I said, you know, have a look round when we're out today, and I want you to point out to me one person that you see looks like that image that you think is. Yeah perfect you know you said that's the way you know I should look 
okay let yeah. me go see if we can you know let me know when you see it and we got to the end of the day and she oh, went, mommy you're right nobody everybody looked different everyone's body was different and I went yeah yeah and they get sucked into these little boxes in their hands that this becomes yeah. like the reality and that's yeah I think it's talking about it it's educating it's modeling isn't it we model yeah. for our clients the language we use being congruent walking the talk as you say yeah. being being really open and honest about it I think is yeah. really important yeah definitely I totally agree how have you seen I mean obviously you have your own personal experiences and you mentioned briefly before about clients would come to you and feel apprehensive about weighing in and all of those things but yeah. how do you think diet culture impacts our well-being I think it's really messed it all. <laughs> <laughs> the diet culture that we're in now I think gosh, yes it's so much of you know I've always struggled with anxiety and I think that's so much of it was rooted in the way I look and the way my body looks and I can imagine that so many people feel the same. I think we forget, right, that we forget that the pursuit of thin or the yeah. pursuit of an ideal body goes, it's like dropping a pebble in a pond and there are ripples that go out into every facet of our lives. So, yeah. you know, you may be, I see it time and time again with my clients, quite often they come to me and there'll be individuals who, literally don't eat all day they restrict all day because they think oh, they're being good yeah so I only had a black coffee and I had a date bar for breakfast yeah. and then for lunch I had a banana and an apple and some oat cakes because I thought I would that would be good and then I didn't eat anything yeah. and I got home and suddenly it's I've eaten a family bag of kettle chips a bottle of wine yeah six Kit Kats and then I cooked dinner because the blood sugar's just you know they're they have no control over that anymore they've just gone yeah, well, no yeah, yeah. But the way that impacts is that there things like a number of times I've had clients who when we put when we get back to eating and balancing our blood sugar and having a really nice steady energy throughout the day and eating on a, on a regular basis, they say things to me like, I didn't realise how much it was affecting my work. Yeah. Like, oh. I can concentrate all of a sudden. Yeah. I've really felt present in that meeting or I'm getting to the end of the day and I'm not absolutely wiped out and I can barely get off the sofa. I was able yeah. to go to the kids for a walk around the park, you know, and then they're spending more time with their children because yeah. they've got the energy yeah. to do or they're less frightened to go out for dinner with their friends because they're yeah. not sat there looking at the menu going, oh, well, you know, I shouldn't have that and that's got bread in it and that's pasta and they sit there with their piddly enjoyable tomato soup yeah like that was you know a, a social connections get ruined yeah. don't they you know definitely. social connections is definitely a big one for me and I think um with my family as well I think I almost felt like my family was trying to sabotage I think I thought that they you know obviously they just cared and they wanted me to be well but I think I thought that they wanted me to to gain weight and to look awful and you know which was well I think I so it, you know, hurt my relationship with my family, and yeah, definitely the social side of things. I would never have done, you know, gone out for a spontaneous dinner. If somebody had sent me a message and said, Do you want to come out tonight? I, that would have been just complete anxiety for me. Um, having to go out and it not be sort of planned into my week and my workouts planned around it. And I think it's just, it's just the headspace, you know, of constantly thinking about food, constantly thinking about exercise. And, how are you going to burn it off? How much do you need to burn off? 
and you suddenly got all the space to think about other things and it yeah just how we what we could do and I I get on my my soapbox about this subject I think oh my god as women what we could do if we were free of all that chatter in your head if that didn't take up all that energy of spending your time thinking about how you're going to compensate or what you're going to skip or that you've got to go, oh, I have to go to the gym tonight even though I'm really tired because, oh, you know, I went out for lunch or whatever that is. When that is gone, suddenly you can do things like move to Cornwall and set up an amazing new business. Absolutely. And it seems like you just having a lion with my husband on a Saturday. If you won't mind saying this, but we used to call it the regime, you know, of course you used to laugh a little bit. And um, I mean, I had to laugh at myself. I'd get up, you know, on Saturday at like 6 a.m. and I'd go out on a run, you know, I'd go and run like 10 miles, I'd come back and I'd be like, right, I'm cleaning the apartment, you know. And I could only relax and enjoy my weekend when I knew that I'd exercised, when I knew that everything was lined up, you know. So I think it kind of went further than just the exercise, it was all about like everything being clean and everything being arranged. And it's like we've had a bit of a role reversal now because he's but now we're in Cornwall, he wants to get me a furnace so we can go out and do nice things. And I'm like, listen, I need to sleep. Need to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, it's just that it's just that time to be human and just enjoy yourself. And and like we said before, I never even in my wildest dreams imagined that that was possible. I just thought that, that was me forever. Mm. So it's yeah, it's a nice way to feel like we're, we're making up for lost time, aren't we? <laughs> and it's such a valuable exercise. I think when you sit and reflect on what it took from you, yeah. oh, yeah. you and then what you're set to gain, you know, if you're someone listening to this yeah. who is in the midst of that, in in my recent training, we do um one of the exercises they they do is they do something called a lifeline. Okay, mm. so they plot out you look at your weight fluctuations throughout the years and, and what was happening in your life at the time and it becomes this big yeah. in front of you and it's an incredible piece of work because it's incredibly powerful because suddenly you can absolutely join the dots you can yeah. see how when and why you know it, it happened but before you do that they ask you to ask the client when you look back on your life what do you want to see people say things like I want to see that you know I I loved I had family I was happy, I was well, um, yeah. I took every opportunity that was presented to me, I travelled, you know, all of yeah. these things. And they were saying, but none of those things have to do with food, weight, or body shape. Absolutely. And it's like that, oh yeah, what, what, when we begin to filter, what we, we can begin to create that space between that voice and actually what we want life to be, and yeah. it can, it can yeah. be those things, absolutely. Yeah. I think I always used to think as well that my, you know, again, going back to your worth being related to your weight, I think I never thought, I think I just thought that dieting and having a, you know, what society thought was a nice body was um, was my my only thing I was good at. And I think that it was detaching myself from what my body looks like as well and thinking that that's, that's not who I am, that's not what I'm about. You can, I don't know, it's, it's hard. I think, I, yeah, we spend so long thinking that our bodies are just define us. And, and they really don't. You, like you say, it's got, nothing, it's got nothing to do with 
Sorry, the dog barking in the background. It's not that. I'm plopped himself next to my desk. He's like, I'm so hot. I'm a retriever. It's too hot. <laughs> oh, bless that. Absolutely. And I think it's that thing of remembering that our bodies are, well, they house our soul. That's what they do. Yeah. It's not who we are. It's just a Absolutely. thing. You have to put your coat on. Yeah. And you can't be good at, at having a body. <laughs> you know, it's, um, there's, there's a whole, you know, like you say, it's your soul. There's, yeah. it does, it, that's who you are. That's who you are and how you live your life. And this thing that we have just helps us go out and go out and do it. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Uh, and how have you found, you know, I'd be interested in asking, how have you found it? Cornwall, obviously, is a really, it, it's such an outdoor life. So much yeah. about being connected to nature, yeah, proximity to the sea. Yeah. Do you feel that's helped having that relationship? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I think because we moved from Manchester and we lived in the city centre of Manchester um, for about 10 years. And I love Manchester. I love Cornwall, but Manchester will always be home. And um, it's, it's the best city on earth, in my opinion. But Cornwall has definitely given me a new outlook on life. And I think our lifestyle in Manchester, we were going out, you know, we were going out on a Saturday night a lot more. And I was I was probably a lot more aware of what I was wearing, what I looked like. And um, I was surrounded by people that, you know, probably a lot more people that did look like what you see on Instagram, you know. Um, and I think it, it didn't have a negative effect on me, but I think when I look now, Cornwall is, it's a lot more laid back, you know, I can go into a restaurant in my trackies mm -hmm. and I don't feel so much pressure to have full face of makeup on all the time. Um, and yeah, definitely being able to just enjoy exercising outside a bit more. Um, that wasn't always such an option in Manchester. Um, just because, you know, do you want to feel safe? And obviously the weather's always awful. I mean, the weather isn't much better here, to be honest. To be honest. But it definitely feels like there's more options for kind of getting outside and not having to just train in a gym, you know. Um, and I often say that to my clients, to, you know, don't stress about going to the gym however many times a week. Just, you know, do a session with me and get out and walk, get out and swim. And just, cause it just does us such good, doesn't it, being outside? I think that that's the other thing. It's helping people reframe that mindset about what movement it what counts because they yeah, do have that kind of like. Especially, I don't know about you. Uh, I for a while almost got sucked into the whole kind of CrossFit kind of training mentality. Yeah, see, I like CrossFit. Well, I'm just not competitive. Yeah. So CrossFit wasn't. There was no danger of me being sucked in by CrossFit, but <laughs> I can see how people are. Yeah, but this whole kind of mindset that you have to, if you're not training that hard, it doesn't yeah. count. And, yes. and I think for a long time, even though I thought I'd, you know, I had recovered from my eating disorder, exercise for me had to be hard. Yes, it had, you had, had to, to be hard. Sweat. I had to yeah. sweat, and you know, and it had to count, like you say. Yeah, and if it, if it was anything else, well, that didn't count. It wasn't, you know, if I was going to do yoga workout, I'd choose the hot yoga or the yeah. yoga sweat. And actually, yeah. nowadays, I'm like, my body hurts. I'm doing yin. <laughs> I'm going to lie down for most of this practice. Yes, lie down for an hour. Oh, listening to, my, listening to my body and actually what it needs on a daily basis. And yeah. find ways of, I remember a few years ago, my friend said to me, what would you do for your birthday? And I said, do you know what we're going to do? I'm going to go orienteering. 
<laughs> I oh, love that kind that. of stuff. I'm like that friend that are like, we were thinking about going to the pub. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm orienteering. And they're always like, okay. Oh, so no. that and, um, but they had a great time. But it's, but I love doing that stuff. I love being and realizing that that kind of stuff, it counts, you know, just enjoying it, being outside and walking and. And it's so, it's sometimes feels so much more beneficial yeah. than um, having a, you know, I think sometimes I crave a sweaty workout. I want to do it out breath. Yeah. Get my heart rate up. But God, that's probably like once a quarter right now. <laughs> if that, you know, if that. Um, so instead of forcing myself to do that now, I'll go for a swim. And I still have that little voice in my head of think, oh, you know, if I go in the sea and it's cold, I think, oh, five minutes, but I think, I've enjoyed it, you know, the way I feel from that is so much better than going and sitting on a bike for an hour or whatever, looking at the calories of birds or, you know, yeah. it's so much more fun. So good for our mental well-being, our emotional well-being, that side of us. Because I And I say to my clients, stress will cause far more damage to your body than, yeah. you know, choosing to do online Zumba because it's much more fun than... You know, and fine. You know, it's yeah, it's that indeed. So I know you mentioned before you um said that you're you know you learn more about the health every size movement. How do you bring that into your work now? If anyone who's listening, can you explain a little bit more about what that what that is? Um, so health at every size. It's I suppose it's going against everything that the fitness industry tells you and everything that they tell you at PT school as well. Um, so it definitely took a long time for me to unlearn everything I've learned, you know, over my life and then bring it into a business. So health at every size, I suppose, if anyone doesn't know what it is, is detaching your health from your weight. So it's it's busting that myth that weight equals health. So a lot of people in larger bodies are stigmatized because of that and are told by doctors that they're unhealthy um, and health at every side I think is just such a fantastic I hate the word movement but it is a move it is a movement isn't it um, and I suppose that is a nice word but it's it's a movement and I think it's giving all of those people um you know permission to exist in the size that they are and what they you know and, and be healthy. The way I've incorporated it into my work um, just taking away any focus from weight and that yeah it was really hard and it's you know it was easy to take away things like scales yeah. and tape measures and stop all that kind of thing but it's just all that weight related talk in the fitness industry you know people say I want to tone up my bingo wings and so it, it's shifting that um, thought process into right you want to tone, say you want to tone up your bingo wings how about we turn that into a goal to be able to get five full press-ups, you know, because the outcome of that is that you're stronger. You're going to have stronger, you know, you've got more of your body strength. Let's take away the shift from what your arms look like and think about what we can do. Um, so I aim to show my clients what the bodies are capable of instead of them just being there as something to be used and something to, you know, pose and look a certain way. It's about putting them into action and doing something with them, seeing what they can do. I think you articulated that beautifully. Uh, we got there in the end. <laughs> it's exactly that. It is 
um, yeah, de make it detaching. But as you say, it's, it's how you reframe those goals because yeah. that is that mindset, isn't it? That if my arm doesn't look like her arm, I have therefore failed. Yeah. Realizing they're completely different arms. And as you said, when we can package it up as in, let's look at what your body can do. Yeah. And there's so much satisfaction to come from that. You know, yeah. from from um I saw in your um did you see on your Instagram your journey to your pull-ups. And I was like, oh, oh yes, yes, because it's like, yeah, you can see the legs tickling. You know, it's yeah, that's the that's the thing. Look what I can look what my body can do. Look what I did yeah. with, with just keep you know resilience and and that's the other thing it's all those other skills I think that the health at every size movement or the non-diet movement or the intuitive movement bring to the party they bring yeah. like resilience and confidence and self-awareness there's no yeah, diet plan in the world that will bring you self-awareness that's so true and it's just that big sense of belonging that you're not the only one who doesn't want to conform to that um, expectation to look a certain way. And I think it's, I'm sure for you as well, it, it felt like such a relief when that was taken off my shoulders. Mm. So I want my clients to feel like that as well. I want them to feel that relief that, oh, I can come in here and she doesn't care what I look like. Um, you know, in the hot weather this week, I've had to, obviously people coming in in shorts and um, sports bras and that kind of thing that they perhaps wouldn't usually train in. Um, and it's lovely for them to say, you know, I know that you don't care, I know, you know, and they're so right, I'm looking at the way the body moves and what they're doing, I'm not looking at what the body looks like in the clothes, I just want them to be comfortable, you know. I think it's amazing that you have created a space where your clients feel safe. You should be really, really proud of that, because Thank I think you. one of the biggest barriers to people engaging with health promoting behaviors is they don't feel safe in those spaces yeah and I think a lot of the time as well that I've noticed people people think that they can't you know people in large bodies think that there's things that they're not going to be able to do and they think it's because of the size and you know I try and remind them that there's lots of people in smaller bodies that come in and there's things that they can't do but that is you know it's it's not because of your size it's it could just be something with mobility that we can work on. It could be that we need to um, do the exercise a different way, a modification. Um, and I think that, yeah, so many people are so used to being told that the size is a problem, that it's getting in the way and that it's holding them back, that they believe that. Um, and yeah, I want them to come in and, and just see that they can, they can do it just like everyone else. It's, it's not the size that's holding them back. It's everyone telling them it is. Um, and making them believe that all those external voices isn't it and when we way we detach weight from worth and health from weight when we can detach ourselves from those external voices those things yeah. that are as our external validators yeah freedom comes doesn't it that's yeah. like you know what this is i'm i'm doing my life i'm doing me yeah. and it's so liberating and it takes a long time to get there i think we'll always kind of slip in and out of it sometimes but um but yeah if you that's your end goal it's it's a nice nice place to be in definitely sure for sure you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast or earlier on about 
um, one of the benefits of moving away from the kind of restriction and, and the more rigid kind of relationship with food and exercise was your Saturday lions. And that leads me very nicely onto the subject of self-care. And oh, I'm sure you agree with me that self-care, although, you know, all the lovely, you know, lotions and potions are great some days, but yeah. what does self-care mean to you? How do you kind of build it into your everyday life? Um, for me, and it probably sounds a bit of a different one, but I, I find the most therapeutic thing is going home to my husband. And again, he laughs at me about this because he's, I come through the door and he's just there waiting for me to like unload. I just, you know, just talk everything out. And having those people in my life that I really trust, that small circle, um, and being able to share with them and talk about things that have stressed me out. And I honestly find that just so therapeutic. And yeah, we laugh because I walk through the door and I'll be like, oh, I'll tell him all about the day, go on about it for ages. And then I'm like, oh, Oh, I feel so much better now. And I'll say to him, how was your day? And I'll go, it was all right. <laughs> it's just the way I am. He, he prefers to kind of just keep it in his head. And I'm like, I just have to talk. But yeah, so yeah, I do, I do love a good, a good therapy session <laughs> with my husband and my mum. Having a good chat. And obviously movement, you know, the more conventional ones, I suppose, movement. Um, I think self-care for me sometimes isn't movement, though. It's just knowing that I need to rest. Um, eating food that I love, of course, and that doesn't necessarily mean foods that are deemed to be healthy. Um, and I, lo I love the sea. I've, I've definitely found by living here that that is a big part of my self-care is being near the sea. And I think if, I'm, if I haven't been for a swim or I haven't seen the sea for a few days, I start to crave it. Um, oh, and I can't forget my dog as well, my dog. <laughs> my dog is the best self-care. Therapy, animal therapy. Oh. All day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly think he has chilled me out. I think because he's a pug as well, and he, he, he sleeps so much. I think he's taught me to relax, definitely. Very true. I think talking, having those, being heard, is yeah. a, it's a beautiful thing. And that is self-care. And that's the other thing I think we should maybe take away from this chat today is that you know self-care is something that has kind of been hijacked by the beauty industry as a way of selling us more stuff yeah. <laughs> you, know, you can have some self-care in the form of our anti-aging face mask and getting old is a bad thing according to us yeah so more money out of you. but yeah self-care is it's that isn't it? it's those things it's the things that feed the soul soul food yeah definitely just the simple things simple things that we take for granted i think when you really think about them they, they can just do as the world but it doesn't need to be anything fancy and i'm going to ask you my final question which we ask everybody and it's always a bit of a heavy it lands quite heavily you're like whoa that's, that's a tough one if you were on top of a mountain and you had the whole world below you and you could tell me one thing what would you say to me oh probably go on for days they'd all leave <laughs> <laughs> it would have been like i oh, yeah it's parking's up carly sorry <laughs> Um, oh, do you know, I'll just say to just be kind, just be nice to each other. I feel like, especially this last year, um, and I think social media has caused so many people to just divide. Mm -hmm. And whatever the subject, there's always one way or the other. And again, in the diet industry, like we talked about, there's no, you know, just 
nowadays it doesn't seem to be that we can just accept that somebody else has a different opinion and a different take on things. Um, so I think yeah, just, just be nice to each other and just look after each other and look out for each other. Um, yeah, and just, yeah, just treat each other how, this is probably again, just a really simple thing, just treat other people as you, you want to be treated. And we're all growing up in this crazy world, aren't we? It's just bonkers. And I don't think our brains are quite equipped for it um, with social media and, and all that side of things. So I think we just really need to look out for each other now more than ever. Yeah. And you have, having had that massive collective experience that has been the pandemic, you'd hope it would kind of give people a bit of a shake around the shoulders to recognise that we are just one of seven billion people of this massive thing yeah. of humanity. And yeah. Earth is a speck of dust in the universe. So yeah. you know, getting to grips with Karen on Twitter over something, you know, over mask wearing or whatever, you just think, actually, people, come on, let's... Yeah, yeah, just chill out, chill out, yeah. Switch off your social media and just yeah. accept that somebody has a different opinion. Yeah, exactly. Then, <laughs> yeah, and it's not, just because you've got a different opinion, you don't need to make sure they've heard it. That's the thing. No, That's absolutely. It. Just get on, get on with it and just go and, go out and yeah, be the light. Your dog. <laughs> yeah. dog. Go look yeah. at the trees. Go download on your, your lovely husband and say, yeah, the day was. Poor Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> he sounds like he sounds like a good egg if he's you know. You must be thinking, oh my god, your her poor husband, like you know. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking my husband does this. I think blah, 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 blah. I'm a talker, right? Are you probably gathered by now by the end of this podcast? I like to talk, and I'm the same. I'm a downloader, and yeah. I need to get it all off my chest. And I'm saying this happened and that happened, right. and I look at him and I go, wait, were you listening? Um, <laughs> the first part <laughs> and then he's just, oh yeah i definitely think he's, yeah most of the time he's probably tuned out but yeah, as long as he um, as long as he nods his head every now and then it maybe feels like exactly, exactly. just just nod just get mm-hmm and and yeah just give me the opportunity exactly. to go that'll keep me happy and um finally um carly where can people find you and learn more about your work well, I am currently in the process of making a website, but you can find me on Instagram. It's just Carly Lightbow with PT. So everyone always spells it with an R, but it's like it's Lightbow, not Light Brown. So Carly Lightbow. Light Brown. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, the amount of time I spend spelling out the names of people. Um, so yes, that's where I am. And um, come say hello. Okay. Um, and it has been a pleasure and a privilege. And thank you so much for coming and melting with me for the last hour. Oh my God, I'm going to go and stick my head out the window. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go this hour. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. And we hope you're able to take something of value away from today's episode. Perhaps one small action you can put into practice today. If you are enjoying Reframe, then please do subscribe and rate the podcast as this helps us reach more lovely listeners. As always, here at Reframe Club, we are rooting for you.